Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Gabbana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I'm Ollie Davis, just about tearing myself away from Married at First Sight Australia. Wrestling just doesn't feel real anymore. It's all about the definitely, completely real format of Married at First Sight Australia. <laughs> they do weekly catch-up dinners, they're fiery, and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swaff Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. I've only just managed to tear myself away from Celebrity MasterChef, which is currently airing on BBC One, which I'm watching concurrently with MasterChef from 2017, which is on Netflix. And there's also Celebrity MasterChef on Netflix and MasterChef The Professional, which I'm, I'm less involved in. But I'm sort of like, just when we're not watching Celebrity MasterChef, we're just watching old episodes of MasterChef. Is it like when they were going to release Prometheus 2 and also Alien 6 at the same time? Or 5 <laughs> or whatever it was. So you've kind of got this mishmash of timelines that are running concurrently. Otherwise known as the DC Extended Universe. A slam. Uh, <laughs> take that, Snyder stands. Um, yeah, I mean, you could kind of like, you could see the difference because there are people that are really good. And then there are the celebrities. Um, although I don't really recognize who any of them are, Ollie. Celebrity what, what is a loose word. Well, it's, it is, yeah, celebrity has no real meaning these days. And I think that's led to my mum looking at me every time she hears that a YouTuber has gone onto the dancing <laughs> on ice cast or strictly come dancing. Hey, maybe they will ask my son. Yeah, my mum did the same thing because there was a YouTube kid on there like a couple of years ago or something. And my mum texted me being like, if he can get onto the show, why can't you? And I'm like, well, how many subscribers has he got? And she's like, I don't know, like 8 million or so. I was like, well, there's your first thing. Like, got 8 million <laughs> subscribers. How do you think we'd fare on a, on a, of all the reality shows, you can't choose any of the cooking ones. That's boring. Oh, uh, which one would you go on? 
I mean, the two I'd want to do is Celebrity MasterChef or Celebrity Bake Off, like the the the, uh, the charity ones that they do. Come stand on, up. We'll just, just be on normal Bake Off. We'll be on Kids <laughs> Bake Off. <laughs> so, like, those are the ones I'd like to do. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't want to do. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. I just don't think I'd have fun on that show. Mm. And I would not like to. I mean, I'm I'm quite scared of ice skating, so I don't want to do that uh, or the jump. Um, any basically anything that's too physical, I don't really think is for me. So which ones then? Because you, you, if if you can't have a cooking one. You just said all the ones you wouldn't do, other than those. Well, well what are my other Big options? Uh, do they still Celebrity do Love Island. Love Island. That's what I want to see. I'm married. Yeah, it could be a big scandal. <laughs> I don't know. What ones would you want to do? I've always been a Big Brother fan. I think I'll come across tremendously well as well. You know, I can go into, I can, I can talk to someone, and oh, I can say something funny about that. Go into the diary room, give the producers so much material to work with, cut around. Yeah, yeah, Big Brother, yeah. Big Brother seems fine because you're just hanging out, basically, aren't you? Like you can use it as a way to, I can get some reading done. Mm-hmm. You could and just start working out, friends. you know. Yeah, it's 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 lockdown before it was lockdown. Yeah, do you want to do? Do we want to make promises I can't keep, like starting working out? Like you know, as I said on the the Patreon Wrestle Talk After Dark podcast, I've done two runs this whole time in lockdown, which has been about sixteen weeks. The exciting thing about your fitness journey, Luke, is the room for potential. <laughs> there is so much room for potential there, and it, it's it's yeah. I don't know how you're not getting swept up in that. Well, I'll tell you what I am going to get swept up in. This Ooh. review of AEW Fight for the Fallen 2020. Urgh, segue. Um, yeah, and it was a really, really fun show with a very exciting potential tease of Kenny Omega bloody turning bloody heel. Here's the show. me though i actually enjoyed this the most out of the last three weeks of kind of tv special events and it was chiefly because great wrestling um and this incredible storyline that is has been running for well since october since dynamite started and the I can see it working across the entire chessboard and I think I know where it's going to go. But at the same time, I think there are multiple options. It can go down. It's This is fantastic storytelling and it's the tale of the elite, not just Kenny and this potential heel turn that we really strongly saw hints of here, but also Hangman Page fracturing away from the group. What are the Young Bucks going to do? And Cody seems to be going down his own heelish path. Yeah. Uh, and it's this was some really, really incredible storytelling stuff because I think since you know there's the start of this year, we've been looking at ah, when is Hangman Page going to be the one to turn? And then we started to get a lot of people because Hangman Page, after yeah. he became the tag champ, got massively over as a babyface because people were so invested in the story and loved seeing the cowboy do some cowboy s word. So then we started to see the. The, the flip the other side of people sending in super chats and discussions being about 
ah, what if it's Kenny? What if Kenny's the one that, that turns heel? And I hadn't really thought about it much, but this show kind of said to me, it's like, maybe that is the right way to go when the crowds come back and they're going to be really happy to see Hangman Page. What if it's Kenny's the one that actually turns and goes back into that cleaner mode, which is, you know, it's been teased on being the elite. I've been saying it from January, February time. I, I've been saying like, look, Hangman Page is getting over so much as this badass baby face in front of the crowd that I think the actual money is in turning Kenny and the Young Bucks heel and Page is kind of this anti-hero uber face which is which is crazy to say and a real masterclass of booking because I, I don't i don't think this is by accident i don't think aew have changed their plans to turn kenny heel and hangman page face because of the audience reaction especially at the moment there is no audience reaction i think this was all a designed plan to get page over as the the three-dimensional babyface, because when they first tried it against Chris Jericho, he was out of his depth and he didn't have that extra layer, which he now has. And it is it is it is so connecting with me as a viewer and I think with everyone else. And to be honest, have I ever been into Kenny Omega as a babyface? No, mm. he's very good. He's very good. But I, my my when I think of Kenny, I still think of cleaner. I think of Bullet Club leader. I think of Good Night and Good Luck. I, I just, yeah. So this is the Kenny that I want. And it was so interesting. Oh, I, I mean, I love this. But you know, like a couple of weeks ago when you had that segment with FTR and the Young Bucks, when, you know, they, they tipped the beer out and they did all of this sort of, well, Kenny Omega tipped the beer out and it was like, oh, that's a bit of a dick move that Kenny be like, yeah, but you can also see the other side of it. Kenny here came out, you know, he, like, I got a bit frustrated today when I turned on Twitter to see Jimmy Corderas, who I, I think just watches AEW to have a whinge about it on Twitter and rile people up. And he completely worked me in, in, in that regard. Um, where he said like, oh God, can you imagine having the best wrestler in the world sell for Marco Stunt? And I'm like, oh mate, you've totally missed the point then. Um, because it all builds on from the segment that came just before that, which is where he came out to address FTR after they beat the Lucha Bros to be like, hey, look, really sorry about the, the beer situation. Here's a beer. I might even have a drink with you, even though I'm teetotal. That's how much I'm I'm changing my ways. And they were like, nope. And they dunk the beer over Kenny Omega. So Kenny then starts freaking out. The Young Bucks are pulling him back. So he then comes out for this match against Jurassic Express, not trying. He is not in Kenny mode. He doesn't even take his T-shirt off. You've got the commentators putting over so hard. Kenny is not taking this seriously whatsoever. So then when he gets embarrassed by Marco's stunts, it just fuels him even further. So you have Marco stunt embarrassing him and FTR embarrassing him that makes him snap after this match and continues to beat it down. But what I loved about this is when he's beating it down, when he's beating down Marco after the match, and you've got Luchasaurus kind of pulling him aside, being like, what's going on? And Kenny just goes, part of the match. And, mm. it, and, and Luchasaurus goes, it was after the match. And Kenny's like, yeah, well, you know, it's just part of the match, isn't it? It's just part of the business. Oh, he's such a good actor. That That's it. Like, it, you know, wrestlers are great wrestlers, but very rarely, though, do you get very good wrestlers who are also genuinely believable. I would buy them in a TV network drama kind of actor. And that's what Kenny has here. 
and to to tell that story of frustration and, and the way stunt is booked i i think is brilliant it's similar to orange cassidy in that low effort mode where it's not that he is physically hurting people it's almost like he's an annoying people he's this gnat it's always someone it's some force of momentum that gets him to do a tornado DDT or a hurricane Rana or an insane Canadian destroyer on Nick Jackson off of Luchasaurus's shoulders and into the ring. Like that's how you book Marco. That it, it doesn't actually physically hurt people. Um, which, which yeah, it, it plays into this humiliation side of Omega and how much pettier that is. Yeah. And I just think, yeah, it's, he, he didn't just show that kind of disregard of the the rules and kind of like you said, lying to Jurassic Express. He also came across as quite psychotic. He was Joker style smiling and laughing at the end, not in an overdone way, which a lot of people tend to do. I feel I thought I thought he struck that balance perfectly. One of the my favorite spots off the match where you saw, you know, this is. Kenny being a bit psychotic, and this is not the same Kenny Omega we've been seeing, you know, for the last few months or so, is when so Marco's against the ring and Kenny's setting up to do the V trigger, and Luchasaurus sort of jumps in to protect Marco's stunt and be like, you know, don't don't hit my friend. So Kenny just goes like, right, I'll just F you instead then. So he just runs mm -hmm. up and Fs Luchasaurus in the face to be like, right, and now he's mine. And then when Marco Stunt gets another near fall on him, he's just like, right, that is it, you little brat. He lifts him up and hits this wicked one-wing angel to get the win. I, I thought Kenny was... I, I really enjoyed the six man anyway because you know it was it's the young bucks and and Kenny Omega versus Jurassic Express. It's always going to be dead fun. Particularly, I thought Jungle Boy was awesome in it. But it was... I thought Kenny was just on another level. And you couple mm. that, you've got Hangman Page watching backstage with the drink and FTR approaching. This is this is it. This is the larger tapestry that AEW just Marvel Cinematic Universe in their way into. Like this is Tony Khan might as well be Kevin Feige right now. Because you've not just got Kenny splitting from the elite seemingly because there's there's a lot of tension between him and Hangman Page. The tag team champions, they've got this kind of professional relationship. Page has already said it's no longer a friendship. This is a professional thing. Uh, but, you know, how long is that going to take if Kenny keeps acting out in this way? When is Paige going to sort of put his morals above professionalism and say, mate, stop it? And where are the bucks going to fall in this? Like, the bucks, to me, they kind of work heel occasionally. I see them siding with Omega. FTR, uh, you know, the, it feels like the long feud is FTR versus the Bucks. So that would put FTR with Hangman Page. There's a combination I never knew I wanted. However, in the larger AEW universe, Tully Blanchard has been out scouting for people in matches. And it seems to be only for Cody matches and FTR matches. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of Four Horsemen teases and we've said ourselves, I think a, a super chatter first asked it, FTR, Sean Spears and Cody Rhodes with Arn and Tully as a new four horsemen. Now that's a faction I can get behind with a heel elite and a hangman page rogue member. Oh, Well, it was amazing. So someone tweeted me today to sort of give in their sort of two cents on this subject and post something that I didn't really think about. Because I always thought all out 
you know, all out two, we're going to be building towards FTR versus the Young Bucks because that's the match, right? That's the match we all want to see. But someone said, like, what if at all out it's a six man and it's FTR and Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks and Omega? And that got me thinking of like, what an amazing, not just a brilliant match it would be, but what a wicked poster as well, where you've got the tag team champions on opposite teams. Mm. I think there's something really spicy within that that I really, oh. really like. Oh, it is oh. spicy. Oh, ah, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought it was excellent storytelling. And in, in, in the best way of these kinds of angles and, and character turns, and this, was, this wasn't like shock heel term. This was first incremental step to a larger piece of character development and overall an arc. Uh, which I much prefer, you know, the shock stuff has its place definitely, but ultimately that the long stories, the long booking is, is the most sort of dramatically satisfying. Uh, but it just makes me so excited about the future of the company. It makes me excited about seeing next week's episode to see what happens next. And and, and that's, next that's all you can up. ask for. I was going to say, next week's episode's got Hangman Page in a singles match against five from the Dark Order with Brody Lee in, in the corner. And like on paper, you're like, eh, you know, it's, it's Hangman Page versus five. You know, who the F is five in, in the Dark Order? But with all of this, I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to see that Hangman Page match because it's not really about the match now. I just want to see what the like all the outside stuff would be. And the Dark Order, are they currently they're ranked number one in the tag division. So there's some stuff there as well. I, I'm just, yeah, I'm dead excited. Dead excited. Oh, yeah, those rankings are really stuck to as well. Um, yeah, I guess you've got, because you'll have five with the Dark Order out there. That's a numbers advantage. Page might want his own buddies, but at the same time, he said, don't come out, don't accompany me. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you like quizzes? Do you like wrestling? Do you like watching self-professed experts in their fields being exposed as dangerous frauds? Then you'll love Quizzle Mania, brought to you by Parts Fun Known, the team behind acclaimed wrestling RPG No Rolls Barred. Join us every week as four wrestling pundits pit their knowledge against each other in a cerebral wrangle for prizes, glory, and a bit of good old-fashioned escapism. Enjoy the videos live every Wednesday on Parts Fun Known's YouTube channel, or subscribe right now to have them beam straight to your mobile device. Quizzlemania, it's the showcase of the Amorons. Let's do our AEW shoutouts and then we'll get in with all of your Super chat. So this is for $25 a month or more. Pledge hammers on Patreon. Thanks so much. You're so generous. Sayonara, Cheney Grant. Very nice. The real boss, Matt Robinson. Oh, yeah. The Joker, Dave Heath. Ooh. Uh, The monster among Patreons, Brian Strowman. Evan. Great Scott. Great Scott, indeed. Former star athlete, now head coach, Lendell Brenson. Thank you, Lendell. The baddest boy, Joey Gianella. Slightly mm-hmm. different. The Shrock Master, Austin Shrock. Oh, how do you like them apples, Marcel Durer? It was apple apple flavored. Very much. I think he's talking to you, Damian Thompson. Woohoo. Joseph Starsky and McClutchian. Let the pop culture references continue. They drew first blood, not me, Grace Rambo. Thank you, everybody, and thank you, our wonderful moderators. Who's up in the mods today? Uh, Les and Mod Mother. Thank good, you. Good, good. And those Patreon backers. Oh, and if you are one of our Patreon backers up in the live stream or in the comments watching this and you're one of our $5 Patreon backers or listen to the podcast, tomorrow morning, WCPW Built to Destroy, me and Adam reviewing the show with his exclusive backstage tales, one of which I don't think he's ever said on a podcast before. Ooh. Well, that's spicy. Isn't it just? So oh. about the about the World Cup, so... Mm. Mike Montel has said uh, there is more money in a heel Omega than a heel page. I got to agree as well, actually. I think, you know, people have been, since AEW started, have been begging for that Kenny Omega. We've been waiting for the the best re- the best bout machine. That's the Kenny Omega we've been sort of searching for. And I think turning him heel, that might be the way to get that best bout machine. Mm. I think there is a way where we could have had super cool baby face best bout machine omega at the start you know as opposed to slightly bored disinterested i'm walking through tokyo with a rucksack on omega and then we get the bullet club leader the cleaner 
uh, Kenny Omega. Dwayne Cooley, could we talk about how sturdy the necks of the Bucks must have to be? They've taken 90% of Canadian destroyers in AEW, sort of a sweating face emoji. What if this Kenny storyline leads back to Moxley for the title? Yeah, I mean, we've been saying that Ken I'd love to see Kenny to be the one to take the belt off of Moxley. So yeah. maybe a, a heel turn Kenny to then feud with Mox, I think would be great. That, yeah, that's that's how I see it happen in my head. Um, I really, really like the idea of Omega beating Moxley for the title, especially considering that kind of trifecta history they have going back to Double or Nothing 1 with Chris Jericho mm -hmm. and Omega in the main event and then Moxley coming out. So much story you can work with there. Michael Dominguez, however, says Four Horsemen, Cody, FTR, and Omega. Spears is a red herring. I was thinking that when we were having a chat about the four horsemen, we've you know we've been throwing Sean Spears in there, and I, and you said like you know where does Hangman Page been to? It's like do you put Page into the four? You don't want to make mm. it a five man team because then like the, the it's like Fortune then, where it's like yeah, it doesn't really the name doesn't work when you've got six members. Spears being a red herring is is an interesting idea though. Yeah, you sort of I guess you would run the angle like they finally reveal themselves, and Tully comes out with Sean, and they're all laughing, and then they all beat up Sean. Yeah. And then they bring out the real fourth member, whoever that is. Christopher Jazzcat. Loved Kenny going after Marco and going too far. Loved the cleaner. He was a complex character. The best heels have a point. Raven, Daniel Bryan. Ah, but did Daniel Bryan have a point, though? Because the commentary team kept telling me that he was wrong to care about the planet. <laughs> Yorkshire Rob. The new four horsemen versus the Bucks. Kenny and Hardy versus the Inner Circle Blood and Guts match. We still haven't had that bloody Blood and Guts match, have we? Oh my god, that's eight. That's that's a twelve-man match. What they're proposing there? Probably more. Uh, Matthew <laughs> Shield, heel Kenny takes the belt from Mox down the line. Totally Love agree. El Fermentado, FTR is playing with the minds of the elite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They are one hundred. They are living rent free within the mind of the elite <laughs> at the moment. The bit with Kenny, man, and because as well, they did such a nice thing for FTR. They got them their truck back, mm -hmm. and FTR said thank you by pouring beer over Kenny Omega, and then essentially just being like, "Now nah, we're got, we're off now. See you later, lads." And when they just walked into the the bar where Hangman Page was watching the six man tag, oh, what a, what a I would, I would, I just love it when stuff happens that I wouldn't have thought of, you know, because we fantasy book stuff so much, and that's cool when that happens because I, I, I think the st some the stuff that we all agree on is is a good idea, but when someone comes up with a better idea than my best idea, oh, there's no feeling like it. Oh, I love it. Love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so let's get in with the whole show. Before Ooh. that. It's time to make that announcement. Ba -ba -da -ba 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 -ba. <gasps> Who's going to be on the magazine show tomorrow? Oh, hey, Ollie, have you ever won Celebrity Masterminds? I, I, I feel like that's a loaded question. You know I haven't won many quizzes um, no, in my but, time. But this man has. Adam Pearson is Whoa! going to be on tomorrow's Wrestle Talk podcast with myself. And because he's based in the UK, that means I can record it on a Friday morning, which means I will be able to talk about the ratings this week. Actual BBC presenter, actual movie star, or kind of movie star. He was in, uh, was it Under the Skin, wasn't it, with Scarlett Johansson? Mm -hmm. Yes. So Adam Pearson is on the show tomorrow. Very much looking forward to having a chat with him. Excellent man. 
Uh, we've met him a few times. He's come to a, uh, a few of the live shows we've done. He's always up in the comments. And he is a man after Luke's own nerdy heart. Oh, yeah. When it, we were chatting with him at the Prince Charles about him going on Celebrity Mastermind. And his, his chosen topics were either the WWF or it was like Final Fantasy VII or like the Resident Evil franchise. I'm like, oh, mate, you are a man after my own heart. He's one of us. He's our people. <laughs> um, we should have like a, a questionnaire where you just like you, you just write down a few things that you're into and we can judge if we want to be your friend. If you're in the inner wrestle talk circle, if you share <laughs> common interests, because some wrestling fans prefer sports to comic Ugh. books. No. I know. If you're on there, it's just like, would you rather watch football or ducktails? Like there, that's the question to ask before you bring them in. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't know where I'd rank on that. This episode of Dynamite was a Fight for the Fallen special. Um, I, I thought they did a really good job of making it feel different. I, I think it is a shame that it came so close to the two nights of Fighter Fest, but circumstances are what they are. Uh, opened up with JR, Excalibur, and Taz on commentary. I loved the touch of putting Taz on commentary just because it builds the main event for later on without doing it. Yeah, so Tony uh, was he had some tests done uh, for COVID, so he he wasn't coming in for this show. He's at home. Get well soon, Tony Skiavone. We we certainly missed you on commentary, but I thought Taz and later Jericho were were excellent little replacements for them. I, I missed the the banter between him and Britt Baker. Yeah, yeah. Although Baker, I love it when heels just work together because they're heels. So of course Baker helped out Jericho with a towel later on. Um, so the first match was Cody versus Sunny Kiss, who I'm t- I missed it, but JR said she used the the, the feminine pronoun. So I yeah. am very confused. Well, yeah, so he, this is uh, he. This happened during they had like about the battle royal to crown the first uh, number one contender to the TNT Championship. The Jungle Boy won. Jr. did it in that match as well. And someone sort of took him to, took him to task on Twitter, being like, "I'm not sure you could, you should use that pronoun." He was like, "Well, actually, I mean, I Sunny Kiss is said he kind of identifies as both, so you can use both pronouns." Uh, so with Sonny Kiss and Sonny Kiss was like absolutely yeah JR is one of those people that is willing to learn and is willing to chat about this sort of thing which is good to be sort of open-minded to this that was, that was really cool I thought actually this was I, I'm not going to say this was a star making performance for Sonny Kiss but this is this is Sonny Kiss's first proper dynamite show he's had tag matches with Joey Janelli he was in the battle royal he's had a couple of bits and pieces here and there but this felt like the actual dynamite debut of Sonny Kiss and I, I thought, I thought he stood up for himself very, very well. Or, or you know, whichever pronoun he does prefer. I'm gonna play it safe. Them, they, there. <laughs> you can't, you can't argue with them, they, there. Uh, so that, yeah, I, I agree. I think they've been protected in the Joey Janela match, for instance, like the tag match last week. They work so well together, and. They're still, you know, very early on in their career in that realm of people like Private Party or, or Jungle Boy. But this was a really good way. It was an opener. There wasn't much pressure of of getting over Sunny. While I didn't know they were called the Concrete Rose as well. Mm. I think that's a badass name. 
uh, getting over their their offense, which is really, really impressive. And the story of the match where they sort of came out the gate fighting loads of high, flippy, athletic stuff going on, but then Cody the veteran ground them down. I, I yeah, I thought this was more, I, th- I thought this was more Cody's story than it was mm. a match. But the match between Sonny and Cody was was fine. Yeah, this was, again, kind of a story, kind of similar to the one that Kenny had, really, which was this was Cody, uh, as sort of Arn Anderson put it, he needed to get his head out of his ass because mm. he almost underestimated Sonny coming into this match. So when Sonny was getting offense on him, he was getting annoyed and he was getting wound up and he started to go quite heelish towards the end, ripping off the turnbuckle pad, just being really, really vicious, arguing with the referee when he wasn't getting the three count. And then when like when Sonny got that wicked reversal of the the crossroads that, and hit him with his own crossroads, and I loved the way that Taz was putting this over on commentary, saying like, "There's nothing more embarrassing in this world than being beaten by your own move," and that just fueled Cody even more to be like, "Oh man, no, I'm ending this now. It's time to put you away. Yeah, you've you've had you've had your fun." Like it's been uh-huh. nice and fun and everything. I'm now just going to beat you. And then afterwards, he's just sort of hugging him and raising and raising his hand afterwards to be like, "Yeah, you know, I am still, I'm still Cody Rhodes. I'm still your brother, babyface." Yeah. So slow burn stuff. Tully was also shown a lot in the crowd, sort of like watching on, like it was shown about four or five times. So all of that was, you know, I think very heavily foreshadowing. Uh, but I, I love it. I, I'm really excited to see where they go. A decent opener. Uh, but the, the the match of the night for me, I, I've heard like you, we were talking about Meltzer and Alvarez's review of the show just before we went on air. Uh, you said that they weren't particularly fans of this match. I thought this this was just a joy to watch. Someone once told me that they like Adele singing, not because they really enjoy their music, but because she they know she's going to hit all the notes. And there's a comfort in that. And sometimes when the FTR, the revival wrestle, I just get that same sense of just like, mm, it's just so satisfying to watch everything be so logical. I get a similar sense of satisfaction when I put things in Excel spreadsheets. But mm. there is also that sort of creative side of the brain that, that wants something more impulsive and spontaneous. And that's what the Lucha Bros are. They're just so unpredictable and they're flipping around. They're trying to follow tag team rules. They don't always succeed, but they're trying for for FTR. And I just thought the combination of these two teams wasn't a Styles clash. It was like a Styles completion. What I loved about this match, uh, aside from, you know, the great action between it, uh, the, the Lucha Brothers sort of kind of, you know, got a bit stuck out the gates, you know, they, they, that moment when they're trying to do their sort of flippy wheelbarrow thing, where it, which took them a long time to, to get mm. right. But there was that moment, what it, oh man, what I loved about this match was the character work that was done within this. Because since coming into AEW, and even before coming into AEW, FTR's whole deal has been, no flips, just fists. And it's all about tag rules. And it's about respecting tag rules. In this match, Cash Wheeler did a dive. And Cash mm. Wheeler doing a dive suddenly felt like the biggest thing. So I was like, oh, that man, he did a dive. They don't do the dives because they're not about <laughs> the dives. And then the finish of this was Dax ripping off the mask of Ray Phoenix and using that to get the roller because Ray Phoenix didn't, doesn't want to show his face. 
because in Mexico, and this is a great work by the commentary team. Thank you very much, commentary team. In Mexico, that's a DQ. If you mm. rip off someone's mask, it's such a sign of disrespect that you get DQ'd for it. But they're not in Mexico. We're playing by American tag team rules. And, you know, when they had that first promo, their sit down promo, I think it was with JR, where they were like, you know, these Mexicans, or, you know, they're, they're, these lucha kids, they're wrestling by their lucha rules. We're not about the lucha rules, but they're hopping in. So they played their lucha rules against them to get the upper hand on it. I loved it. I thought it was great. USA, USA. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a DQ rule in, in Lucha wrestling. You know, there's, there's quite a few different tag team differences for, for how they structure the matches. You know, yeah, like you neither, don't have to tag. You can just roll out the ring. But I, I never knew that about the masks. Neither did I until the commentary pointed out to me, which is why I would say credit to the commentary because they were the mm. ones who were getting over that finish and making that finish feel important. Uh, uh, yeah, really, really great stuff. Yeah, I just... I, Dax's hot tag was amazing. Just throwing people around. He got busted open from a few chops that happened in the shrink screen ad break. I guess that's my only criticism, really. I know there was a botch at the start, but I just I don't really mind that when it's the Lucha Bros because they try so much stuff. It's you've got to accept botches as part of part of the game. Like when you're running tightrope, running water, uh, the top rope and stuff. Like you can't expect everything to be seamless I, it doesn't take me out of the match but i can understand why it does for people who are more focused on that part of the art but the uh, uh, Meltzer said that he he thinks that AEW would are building towards a four-way tag of the lucha brothers the young bucks ftr and hangman page and kenny omega <laughs> i was like oh yes please that sounds very lovely dark order at a number one ranked team right now. <laughs> Why is it always the bloody dark order? <laughs> Spicy though. Uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah, but just uh, sorry, sorry. That the only criticism I had was that there was a, that there was an ad break. You know, yeah. some matches don't have ad breaks, and I would have preferred this one and the main event really to not have any ad breaks. I, it would have been nice to have those elsewhere, but you've you've got to work within the confines of TV, I guess. Just this fantastic sequence where they. So that yeah, that there was the dive, the to the tope through the ropes at one point, but then both teams get up to do top rope splashes on I think it was Dax and Pentagon were down, but both guys got the knees up on the ground. So it was like they're just matching each other beat for beat, and then they all stand up in that it kind of echoes, it's kind of a, a, a revival trope, really, where the two teams stand up just like those DIY encounters and they psych each other into the hockey fight. It's, I, yeah. I just I I loved this match. I thought it was I was thought it was so good, and that was followed by the post match, which we we've already kind of covered. Uh, the Bucks come out and super kick Butcher and Blade, who were all you know they stole FTR's truck a few weeks ago. AEW loves a stolen car storyline. It seems. Oh yeah, and that's when Kenny came out as well to to offer the beer. So just like fantastic match. Great wrestlers, great characters, and then an excellent bit of story afterwards. I just, that's that's perfect. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. That is a good Wednesday night in. <laughs> However, I have, me and Luke haven't spoken about this yet. Yeah, I was very, very curious to get your take on this because my note on this next segment was, well, that was very silly. 
Mm. And then I thought that this would get a lot of heat. When I took to Twitter mm. this morning, I thought this is going to be the segment where people are like, oh, this was super dumb. This was in WWE. Everyone had a yada, yada, yada. Instead, what I saw was everyone loving it. Was everyone saying that this was a home run segment? It was fantastic. Jericho was brilliant. Orange Cassidy was brilliant. So I was very curious to hear what you thought about it. Yeah, I uh, I didn't like it. I, I thought it was lame. I thought it. I thought that those concerns I said about Orange Cassidy's character last week that he, you know, that that he is a rather one-note joke gimmick, and they've done an excellent job of adding layers to that since then. Um, but now I would say it's not the time to go sillier. I think now is the time to pull back because uh, and it's it's nowhere near as bad as, as Suffering Sucker Tash or Becky Lynch apologizing to the authority. But moments like this, when, when I get this sort of feeling in my gut, is like, ooh, that's if this is left unchecked, it's gonna backfire on the person they're trying to get over. Because I, I, I think if you take look, Jericho, Ortiz, Ortiz just so, so what happened? We should probably say Jer- Inner Circle came out without Sammy Guevara. They Jericho declares himself the demos god, which is which is very funny. I I it is a bit frustrating because you know AEW detractors make fun of the ratings and and how AEW focus on the demos. So and an AEW like we're not going to refer to the it's not a wrestling war it's not about that and now they're explicitly saying it. I don't mind it because I think it's quite fun to lean into real life, but at the same time it is it's just going to make those vocal people more vocal. I think it's it's it works because it's Jericho. Mm. Like I think and anyone else doing like if it was Cody doing it, then it'd be like, yeah. oh god, this is this is rough. Or if it's Kenny Omega doing it, then it's really rough. But because it's Jericho and Jericho's whole deal since coming to AEW was like, you're welcome. I'm waiting for my thank you, AEW, for putting you on the map. Calling himself the demo god and you know, pointing out that he's getting the best. Like Meltzer points, Meltzer said in this review was just like, Oh, you want to be careful though, because you you you're undefeated in the demos for the moment <laughs> but what about when you don't by when you do get beaten um so i i think it works because it's jericho if it was me probably i wouldn't do it i wouldn't make reference to it but i it only works because it's jericho doing it i think that sentence applies to this whole segment yeah. I, it didn't the, for, for the people who really enjoyed it it's because jericho is amazing and he can he can get over inanimate object after inanimate object and auto so again sorry we got caught up in ourselves jericho says he's not going to give orange cassidy another match even though the demos want it and the advertisers and whatnot orange cassidy comes out does a low uh, effort thumbs down and orange juice falls from the ceiling and covers the inner circle and ortiz starts to sell it by standing back up and getting down kind of like the milk truck segment with the invasion well also because he can't swim <laughs> and uh, I think it, he, he just he just went into panic mode. Mm. Poor guy getting PTSD from Stadium Stampede. Uh, so yeah, I just that Jericho also sold it fantastically. Someone threw him a towel, and he gets he opens the towel, and it's just a large print of Orange Cassidy's face. That only made Jericho more infuriated. And and Jericho did was incredibly funny on commentary for the rest of the night, just talking about how sticky he was 
the yeah. last line of the entire show was, I'm covered in orange juice. Like <laughs> JR, JR does saying, the sign off line. And, and JR says, you stink. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. JR's sign off line. The other line from that that really made me laugh is when Jericho does get onto commentary very, very upset and they're playing replays and he's really angry that they're playing replays and JR and Excalibur are, are playing dumb. They don't know who called for the replay. And Excalibur just goes, well, apparently I've heard that the 18 to 49 demographic loves an instant replay. Yeah. And, and, it's so, another, and the, the line that made me laugh was when JR says, something smells tropical. And Jericho says, oh, that's just my cologne. It's not the fact that he's covered in orange juice. It's just his cologne. Yeah. And it, it's, it, it's difficult to critique this segment now because that us saying these things is quite funny. But unfortunately, watching it and going back and watching it, I, I didn't find it funny. Uh, and, I, and I actually found it quite lame. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I do, I do agree that if it was in another company, because it was, you know, this is this is right out of sports entertainment, having having a, a liquid dumped on someone from above. That th- this isn't kind of what I wanted from AEW at the start before it launched, uh, but it does fit within the whole campy Jericho tone. I I I didn't like it, and and then it cuts to Marco Stunt in an interview before their match after like following that segment and Marco Stunt is just, just doing this fake guffawing about oh my god that was so funny did you just see that and I just that that's that's bad that we we say that we criticize WWE for that all the time and I I did think it wasn't as bad as the worst stuff you know and for this sort of segment it was okay but it was a this sort of segment yeah as I said, I thought it was very silly. I don't think I really liked it much. It, I, I certainly could have done without it. Um, the, the, the plus sides to this, if I can find some plus sides to it, I did. Th- I thought there was some good character work from Jericho in that Orange Cassidy didn't really have to do much to get a to go to rematch out of him. All he had to do was just throw some orange juice over him, and all of a sudden Jericho is. You know, giving him that rematch. Not only that, but you, you know, you set up a match with Marco Stun and I think it's Luchasaurus for next week. So there's some positive to take out. The other line that did really make me laugh is when Jericho said that I um he, he's Orange Cassidy comes out and Jericho says, I'm not gonna be scared of someone wearing a jacket, or you can't be scared of someone wearing a jacket and sunglasses when he's wearing a jacket and sunglasses. <laughs> so to pull the real positive out of this, Jericho was very good. But I yeah. overall, well, yeah, overall, overall, I did not like the segment. Yeah, imagine this segment without Jericho's promo skills. Yeah, so they're lucky they've got Jericho. I, well, it was, wasn't for me, but all power to you if you enjoyed it. Uh, just, just shows how into the characters you are, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we got the Jurassic Express versus Elite match, which we've already covered. Uh, it, it was really, really fun. Um, Jericho had a great line in this where he said, I think Excalibur said he's 65 million years old about Luchasaurus and Jericho says he wants to see a birth certificate. <laughs> very good. Uh, and then we got the, uh, the, all the, all the sort of Kenny stuff. Shida had a very brief interview backstage. 
Yeah, well, she was essentially pointing out that they've got a very small women's division at the moment. So she's welcome to all challenges, including Nyla Rose. And we're going to see some of that next week because they announced a match for next week between Diamante and Ivelisse, which, I, you know, mm. could be quite good. Diamante uh, obviously used to be, she was associated with a Santana and Ortiz back in Impact Wrestling. So I wonder if they might do something around that. Yeah, then we got Moxley cutting a, a really good promo uh, before his match. And it was... So, so what essentially happened in the 10 minutes between the Kenny Omega heel turn and the main event was she'd got a very short interview. Brandy and Ali, as the Nightmare Sisters, came out for a women's tag match and squashed Kenzie Page and MJ Jenkins, you know, essentially two enhancement talents right now, in a very quick match, which was fine. And then Nyla Rose came out and said, my big announcement is Vicky Guerrero's my manager. That's all about 10 minutes and it was all very rushed and it wasn't, you know, Vicky Guerrero is is here, cool. Um, but I, I would say none of these segments were particularly given much attention or emphasis or were particularly good, actually. Uh, and it just, I, I called out AEW for it in my review earlier for just, it's, it's so hard to get invested in the women's division because you'll take a step forward with, oh, that was a really good match. And then couple of steps back with where it's, you know, this felt like a massive afterthought. Oh, we've got to put on some women's segments. Let's cram it literally in the bit where people typically are brought down before the main event. And a few comments said, look, hey, AEW have found themselves in a bad, they've been dealt a bad hand with injuries and COVID, of course. Their roster was more international than most. But, you know, other companies are doing very well with their women's division it's not like they haven't got the talent there right now big swole like you didn't need to ride her out (laughs) you didn't need to suspend her that was you that wasn't a legit suspension you could have built her up as much as i I think the Britt baker storyline's fun uh you know sheeda's still there penelope ford's still there i just I, i i don't know what to say it's it's the same mistakes week after week it is the same stuff week in, week out. Uh, yeah, the Nightmare Sisters match, I've got one note, they win. Like, there really mm-hmm. wasn't much to say about it. Really, the only the, the biggest criticism I can give against uh, against that match is that just show us dark, man. Like, just show us replays of dark. You can tell us all you want. Oh, by the way, they're getting a lot of wins on dark. You could show some of that stuff like while they're making their entrance to really build this and make this angle feel a bit more than just a squash match. But they chose not to. They just chose to have Ali and Brandy Rose come out and get the win. So, you know, there's that. And then shout out to all those people that called that Vicky Guerrero would be the manager of Nyla Rose. I was kind of hoping it would be Jazz. You I, you, you were one of them. You, you, there was a lot of people that did that. I was the only person I think was, you know, being like, I don't think it'll be Vicky because I don't see that pairing work. And visually, I still don't think it particularly works. Like Vicky doesn't feel like the manager of a badass, unstoppable monster. She's the manager of goofy heels. And I don't want Nyla Rose to become a goofy heel. But, you know, Vicky Guerrero does now have the best music in AEW. And hmm. I thought she cut a really good promo for um, uh, for Nyla Rose. But it's, uh, it, it, it's kind of what we've been saying about the Iconics uh, and Ruby Riot. At least they're getting something. You know, as if that is like, that's the lowest bar, really. It's like, well, yeah. at least it's something. But it shouldn't just be that, man. It shouldn't, like, that shouldn't be the bar that we're looking to get over. Hmm. 
Yeah, I on on Vicky as uh, Nyla Rose's manager, she does have an incredible ability to get heat. Um, I, I I hated her back in the day. <clears throat> it was go away heat from me. I didn't I didn't enjoy her as a screen presence, not in a fun heel way. I think she's gotten so much better since then. Um, but maybe that's because she's you know used in very limited capacities. Uh, in the last couple of years, which is when I've enjoyed her most in her career, actually. So jury's out. I'm I'm hoping it's it's good, but yeah, I'm not I'm not crazy excited about Nyla Rose being with Vicky Guerrero. Mm. However, I thought the main event was terrific. Yeah, I've seen some people say that they didn't particularly like the finish. I loved the finish of this match. I thought the finish of this match was actually a stroke of genius. Mm. I really enjoyed this match. I'm massively into Brian Cage. I, I really like the way that he works. It was great to see Moxley back and, and defending the title. It, it, Moxley is kind of in that, um, he's in that Drew McIntyre phase of the moment where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm gutted there's no crowd here yeah. because you're not getting that big baby face championship run because you haven't got that, babyface crowd behind you but it, i like watching moxley work and i really like watching brian cage work and i loved watching these two work together but the finish was just it was so good because it was all set up last week and in moxley's promo because taz's taz's promo last week was you can't pin him with the paradigm shift his neck's too big so moxley was like cool well, they'll just go after the bicep then. You know, that surgically repaired bicep that you've got that delays you from joining AEW. I'm just going to target that instead then. I'm not going to be hidden about it. So that's what he did. And he went after the arm. Cage wasn't going to, you know, Cage might have tapped out from that. But the reason that Taz threw in that towel is he's protecting his investment. I don't want to see him go out for another five months. So I need to throw in the towel now, lose this battle, to win the bigger war down the line. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I so good. And it it was real as well. Like the 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 elements of sports realism that they brought into it. I thought only enhanced the story that they were trying to tell. When Taz cut a in-ring pre-match promo before Moxie came out and he said like he accused Moxie of spreading rumors about whether Cage could wrestle or not and this this fake injury whereas moxie's just been sitting at home on his ass not really training or anything cage has been on a full-time training schedule that's exactly what a promoter or a manager would do for a boxer or something yet you know, people sometimes you know because like everyone looks at Shawn michaels as such a great storyteller because he's so good at selling with these over the top all my arm all my arm and it works really well for him but i think like the far more realistic way of doing that is if you're in a fight a professional combat sport you wouldn't go oh no my arm don't stop hitting my arm it paints don't a target on it yeah. <laughs> yeah so like taz and brian cage all the way through this match they're trying to underplay it because they know that's the real weakness but moxley's so smart targets him they work stiff as well i thought they really really took chunks out of each other brawling around the ring at one point sick german suplex from cage on mox onto a guardrail propped up against the ring apron uh wicked spot there cage just leaping up for a seamless moonsault at one point and yeah that paradigm shift kick out strong at two how often do we see that because of the neck muscles 
Exactly. Taz didn't lie. Taz isn't wrong. That's another sign of a very good manager that you now believe what he's saying when he's talking about, here's why these moves matter. You're like, oh yeah. And he was right on that one. The paradigm shift does not work on Brian Cage. Do you know what? I'd, I'd be really interested because we haven't really seen this kind of story told in AEW before. And it's, it's, it's something that aligns so much with what Taz seems to be interested in which is, you know, kind of this MMA level of detail towards how a wrestling match would unfold. So he's talking about the muscles in the neck and how certain moves aren't effective against this kind of body type. So because that's been an influx with Taz, I I wonder how much creative input he has backstage in his bits. Like, is, is, is it a case of Tony Khan and and whoever sitting down with Mox, Taz, Brian Cage and saying, hey, what do you got? Like, here's where we need to go. But what do you reckon the best way to tell the story is? And they just throw away, throw around some ideas. And that's why you get these new, fresh takes on how to tell wrestling as opposed to the, you know, sort of standard same stories, copy and pasted from other feuds we get in other companies. I think you might be onto something with that. Because, you know, you could always tell a segment that Heyman's written like back before he was like head of creative on raw when he was just doing all of Brock's stuff. And it wasn't just because Brock was there. You could feel Heyman's fingerprints over Mm. a segment. I think you might be on something there. Like with each wrestler's storyline they're going, you can feel their own fingerprints on these stories. Like I can feel FTR's fingerprints and the Lucha Brothers fingerprints on their match. And that's finish. Like that feels like a finish that they have worked on together. The Lucha Brothers are, you know, being like, Oh, that's a DQ in, in Mexico. You'd be like, okay, cool. Well, let's work. I, I yeah, 100%. I think you're onto something there. Kenny's storyline just fits with all the great character detail work he's done throughout his career. Jericho's camp stuff. That's totally his kind of comedy. Cody loves WCW. <laughs> Arm Tully for Horseman. Let's make it happen. Yeah, it's it's really nice to be able to see those different kind. We both did that at the same time. Then it's I like saw that. Yeah, a message from our security. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, okay, we, we'll move on. Sorry, Vince. <laughs> t- t- Tony's saying Tony's saying the the money's cleared. <laughs> nice. Cheers. It, it um, nearly well, didn't go case, through because we were so critical of the women's division. But uh, no, he, he's changed his mind and it is going to clear now. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, and, and that's not even when the show ended. This brilliant finish where Taz throws in the towel after Moxley's had just sort of a few minutes of armbar variations on Brian Cage's arm. So Cage is annoyed afterwards, gets the FTW belt. Love that that's a thing. He was billed as it when he came out as well. They made Justin Roberts say it. And he attacks Mox. Then the lights cut out. And then the lights come back on. There's Darby Allen on the top turnbuckle, and he just does a a skateboardy thing right onto Brian Cage's face. Loved it. And Taz then has to pull him back and be like, now's not the time, you know, because Taz knows his guy has got this potential injury that Mox was just working over. So now is not the time to be attacking this little Allen kid. Like, we'll do that another time, you know, pulling it back. So, but Brian Cage is this hothead. So he's trying to charge forward. Referees are coming out and like crew are coming out to separate them. This really chaotic finish. And you've got Moxie just standing there with his little swagger looking at Darby and being like, yeah, I like the way you work. I like, mm. I like the things that you do. I thought it was a really cool finish to the show. I really, really liked that main event. And I loved that finish. Really, really liked it. Yeah. Uh, 
that Darby Allen age storyline has been building since um, Double or Nothing. Double or Nothing. Yeah. Brett, just excellent stuff. Uh, overall, I gave it a four out of five. I love the show, but, um, you know, the women's division stuff is is just quite embarrassing and the uh the orange juice segment didn't didn't work for me uh in, yeah. in any way really uh also we should probably mention it that there were a lot of lot of people in the crowd mm. and they mostly had masks on but mm-hmm. then sometimes they didn't and you know moxley and cassidy both came out through the crowd so i just uh yeah i we, we criticize wwe for this all the time i we, we we've got to do the same for AEW. It's it's reckless, and I I I, I thought AEW were better than this. Yeah, and uh, also like I don't see the much of a point of selling a beach towel on AEWshop.com when people shouldn't really be going to beaches at the moment. Mm. Josh De Dominic's. The amount of storytelling this week was incredible. Everything was done for a reason. Kenny kissing goodbye into the camera and Mock's finish were great. Yeah, loved. And and you know like you said like this were you preferred this to the two weeks of Fighter Fest. I think that's probably why I did as well. A lot of story mm. here, and I really really like that. Uh, Matthew Robinson. Uh, says, oh my God, seeing Chris Jericho covered in OJ and having to do commentary is so brilliant. He was very good, yeah. He was funny on commentary. James Hanley, Jericho talking about ratings hurt the show for me. Calling himself the demo god did make me laugh every time, though, so I guess I'm part of the problem. Also, I'm covered in orange juice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we're, we're, we're all part of the problem. Let's, let's just admit this. <laughs> Uh, House of Fuel. Love to see Bill Alfonso try to become Darby's manager <laughs> to help against Cage and Taz. Of course, off their ECW history. Also, maybe Spears, FTR, and Pillman for the Four Horsemen. Oh, yeah. Brian Pillman. Flying Brian Pillman is likely signing with AEW. So, yeah, perhaps. Mm. I think the strength of a Four Horsemen faction is just like how every single one is amazing like really top tier uh so i you know i i think you'll want to have cody in there at least omega uh, christopher jazz cat omega beats mox page wait omega beats mox page and omega feud for the title yeah that i, I mean that's, totally that's it's written it's written there for you man absolutely written there for you Oh, I can't wait for those matches. <laughs> Ryan Warren, Miro as one of the members of the Four Horsemen. Do you know, I'm, I'm so sold on the idea of it being Cody, FTR and Sean Spears. Like that all just works for me so nicely that, that that's the team I want to see now. Like, you know, like yeah, Daniel uh, M saying, I'd like to see MJF in the team instead of Spears. I, MJF doesn't work for me in that team. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Oh, MJF would be good in there. Reuniting with Cody. Oof. Uh, in their heelish ways. Josh De Dominic's. His nickname is Concrete Rose. Team is Bad Romance. Mm. Are, are they all? Ginella? Yeah. Are there, are there more Lady Gaga references than I'm missing them? Is Concrete Rose a Lady Gaga thing? I'm not sure. Bad, bad Romance. What an absolute banging tune that is, mate. Brilliant song. Uh, it's a capital T. <laughs> not just a not just a not just a T tune. It's a capital T. Uh, the bad it. one, Ryan B. Bad, Arn and Cody were not on the same page, which makes me think when Cody turns heel, he does it against Arn to join Tully. 
Yeah, that's the other thing. That's a really interesting point because I think we've all been saying, you know, or assuming that Arn and Tully will almost like join forces to create this this four horsemen stable. But yeah, what if it is? Because Cody was working against him. You know, Arn was trying mm. to get him in the right headspace. It's it's always there. I think Arn and Tully would be a bit messy, actually. So maybe that's that's the better route. Um, the bad one, Ryan B. Bad. The Marco Stunt Destroyer was a nice move on paper, but with Nick helping them set it up by holding Luchasaurus's leg, looks stupid in my opinion. I didn't notice it at the time. It was actually, yeah. I saw, it was Louis um, Dangor that pointed out on Twitter where I was like, oh God, I didn't even notice that Nick was was helping him out. You're absolutely right. And like, you know, Sean Rossap posted, was really the big dickhead that he is, that um, it, it was too many people helping each other to make the move look a bit too fluid. Yeah, I, sometimes... The cool, there's always the cool defense, which I'm I'm gonna put in here. It was cool, so I enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Peck, that will come and bite me in the ass, loads. Uh, Taylor Peck, Nyla's Matt Nyla's manager should have been Ivory, a legend who's far underutilized, a great talker, and knows how to win gold with heel tactics. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, Sid Art online, Jericho's segment was WWE bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie Good. For some reason, the Jericho segment didn't tickle me the way they normally do. LOL. And uh, Lena Bliss says Jericho segment was amazing. As I said, man, I think it's just really split opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, DX4Life1 says, assuming the roster becomes more available later in the year and with additions in both men's and women's, do you think AEW has the depth to run two quality weekly Dynamite shows? Well, they've got the deal with TNT for a second show. So, yeah, I I mean, one of my bold predictions for 2020 was that they would move Dark to TV. Um, Whether or not they've got the full depth and creative flair to do two, like a Raw and a SmackDown with the same roster is a different kettle of fish. I, even if they do have the ability, which, you know, you could, you could, uh, I don't think they should do it. There's too much wrestling out there already. I I like Dynamite being its own thing. KML, censoring myself, whereas I'm not sure if it's a naughty word on YouTube, but I really miss the B-word pack. Keep up the good Mm. work, guys, and jam the jammy jam. Oh, yeah, I can't wait for the bastard's return. I'll say it for you. Uh, Chuck Cassis says, Hangman, Cody, and Kenny all have strong storylines building them away from the elite. Are the young bucks being left in the dust? Mm. That's where I I, I turn to what you said, and I think I can see the bucks siding with Kenny and keeping that, that threesome elite together. I was uh, I was doing some armchair psychology in my head earlier, and you know how all the co-executive vice presidents were very conscious about pushing themselves to the top of the company as baby faces at the start. Maybe they are more comfortable doing it as heels, mm. in kind of like a self-punishing way. Yeah. Uh, Lena Bliss uh, would prefer Sean Spears in the group. He needs this. Let Paige cement mm. himself more as a single star. Uh, Malcolm Brown, people want to talk about AEW's tag team division being deep, but their commentary team is deep. No Tony, throw in Taz. Taz leaves. Come on down, demo god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. And, and they've got, yeah. you know, oh, who's who else is on their commentary team who's really good? I think that's it. Taz does got... dark. And Taz does dark with the scam. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's it's an excellent commentary team. Christopher Jazzcat, Orange Cassidy to the new blood, confirmed. <laughs> uh, Marco Talon, 12. I thought the OJ bath was fine in return for weeks of OJ-based harassment. Poop and slime are juvenile. Orange juice is poetic justice. 
Yeah, I can see you can make the argument for that. I, I, you know, you, but you are debating the nature of the liquid. Yeah. So it is a bit dried, mm-hmm. dried chicken without flavor. I'm predicting Jericho versus Tyson for double or nothing three. Give Mike Tyson more time to get in wrestling shape. Yeah, I think whatever plans they've got, they should they should hold off until they can have loads of fans back. And maybe that is next May. Uh, Marco Talent 12, I think AEW doesn't care about its women's division is harsh. It definitely needs work, but you're making out like they're not doing anything. I mean, so, but they aren't. Like they keep, they keep doing some, they, it feels like they're doing something, but they're not. Like what really have they done? What, why is the women's division worse now than it is when it started? And it was never really that, you know, it was never the, the, the heights that they had promised uh, from the offset. It just, yeah. Okay. When Mox got out of his feud with Brody Lee, went straight into a feud with, with Brian Cage, and they made a big, big deal out of that. Um, Kenny and Hangman Page are constantly within feuds with various different teams. FTR have come in and have got this multi-layered storyline with the Young Bucks and, and these various other teams. There are these stories up and down. Like Darby Allen and, and Brian Cage, is, you know, they, that's a story that's got all these layers to it and it's up, up and down the card. Who's Akari Shida feuding with? And like, did she Someone really from another a, company. Yeah. Did she really have a feud with Penelope Ford? She had a match with her, but did she really have a feud with Penelope Ford? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in agreement with you. Like uh, Phil 180 still yet to actually watch an episode of AEW. Religiously go and check out the spots and segments that get you guys super excited. Up next, Marco's Canadian Destroyer. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. Oh, you should I'll watch a whole episode. They're, they're remarkably well put together. Really can't recommend it enough. Um, Rangers Mayhem. What do you think of the cleaner coming back with Gallows and Anderson as their version of the Bullet Club? Not for me, really. I think they've done, you know, you, you want to move mm. forward with stuff. Yeah, and you oh, can never yeah. Really so I just, I'd never really think about Gallows and Anderson because I've always kind of got it in my head they're they're with Impact and New Japan now. I didn't really think mm. about an AEW thing for the yeah, but like next week is when we could be getting some of these ex WWE guys uh, there. And Cody has got an open challenge. Christopher Jazzcat, AEW is good. New Japan is still better. And then a few cat emojis, a few heart emojis, and Hiromu. Oh, Hiromu. That's the scream of anguish on Hiromu at the weekends. Oh, Cut me deep. I'm really looking, I'm really looking forward to Takahashi Evil. I, you know, yeah. that's, it feels like brothers uh, going against each other. Anthony Pride. Did you see the video podcast with Tony Khan and Eric Bischoff first meeting a couple of days ago? No. Uh, yeah, I, I saw it on uh, some people posting about it on Twitter. I've not watched it, though. Uh, not watched it. Oh, uh, Seth Amphetamines. Ollie, check out the three new songs by The Front Bottoms. New album, August 21st. Camouflage is the best new song. Been listening to that for months, mate. That was on their <laughs> Spotify months ago. Uh, glad, glad to see you're a fan too. Joe DeFilippo, jam that jam. And thank you for everything. Much love. Much love. Jam that jam. Jam that jam. Uh, Michael Dominguez, it's my birthday. Officially a year younger than Luke. Luke, can I get a uh, happy birthday? Happy birthday, Michael Dominguez. And Ollie, a happy insert random day. <laughs> also, Sasha wins and Bailey loses at pay per view. Stay cool. Uh, Taxel. Uh, Taxel, while this episode of Dynamite was great, the real star of Wednesday was Wale. Couldn't stop laughing at the extra Uso 
best Quizzle Mania guest. Who was that third Uso? John, Johnny Uso. Jonathan Uso. <laughs> I, it was so funny. I, it's Yeah. It's one of my favorite I, things we've done this year. It was so funny. And I was in such like hysterics. And then my wife this morning said, like, oh, did you have fun last night? I said, yeah. She goes, oh, how was uh, Wale? And I was like, oh, he's really good. There was this amazing moment during the Artist Collective. And then trying to explain it just made it. Uh, it's impossible to explain. It, it's not yeah. funny if you just say it. <laughs> uh, Bacon Rasher. Why is Ollie still doing reviews when he doesn't have a clue on wrestling? Wrestle Luke has a certain ring to it. Only messing. Thanks for everything. Last night was quality. Jam that jam. Hashtag three Usos. Three. Um, and Rex Ablett finally sucks that the US president can't beat Carino. Uh, yeah, we'll all yeah, be does. we'll all beat it together though. <laughs> Any more socially distanced plans for this weekend? I am going to my lady partner's parents. Sorry, my partner's parents. Oh, I don't want to bring that all up again. And on Sunday, you're like this. Uh, after Slammiversary, of course, that's most of my Sunday, uh, making a video for that. Tune in, subscribe to WrestleTalk to, to watch that when it's up. Enable notifications to always on. Uh, I will, because, you know, a lot of WWE stars who were formerly with the company are likely going to turn up there. We are going around my friend's house who is, you know, it's we, we've done movie nights in the past and myself and my friend had to sit through at opposite's choice of uh, Bridget Jones's diary, right? Mm. I, neither of us had ever seen it. It's of its time. It's actually a bit dated. However, you know, Keir Starmer is based on Colin Firth's. Co- sorry, Keir Starmer is yeah. based on Colin Firth's character. <laughs> that's not. That's not how this works. <laughs> uh, Just finally, Colin Firth's a character that's based off a Colin Firth character. Uh, Colin Firth's character was based off a mixture of Mr. Darcy and Keir Starmer. Well, the Mr. Darcy one was quite obvious, but I did not know about the Keir Starmer one. What a guy. Um, every US and everyone else, if you're not aware, uh, Keir Starmer is the leader of the opposition in the politics stuff over here. I think yeah. he comes across as incredibly competent. Didn't mean saying, well, sound sarcastic. I think he's excellent. <laughs> Well, that's what happens when you have a lawyer there, because basically he just goes into lawyer mode oh, and just talks his way around it. Lawyer mode. Yeah, <laughs> he, he'll do these great things like, I, I, I think you're doing a fantastic job here. I think you're doing a really good job in the pandemic. But I'm just I'm just struggling with a few things. Can you could you please <laughs> explain these to me? And he'll just destroy someone with niceness. Oh, um, anyway, what were we talking? Oh, yeah. So uh, we get to pick the film and mm-hmm. we're thinking of muppets <gasps> which one the like the 2011 muppets oh yeah 2011 oh, muppets very nice mate steve whitmere kermit because good one kermit. of us one of the group has never seen it <gasps> oh mm. are you gonna be okay before you burst into tears though oh yeah i'm gonna cry uh, i'm yeah. it's it's unavoidable uh, everyone's aware of that. I've made them aware of it. They're still going to take the mick out of me. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's my plans. Rewatching the Muppets. Looking which forward is, to it. Which is the bit that gets you? Is it pictures in my head? I'm a, I'm a happy crier. So when stuff goes really well, 
uh, that's when I become over overwrought with emotion. So it's when they're walking out at the end and everyone's turned up there to cheer them on when they thought nobody cared about them inside on the TV broadcast. It's kind of like, maybe it's because I can relate to it because me and you, we're just in a studio or in our homes. There are thousands and thousands of people watching us. It doesn't feel that way. <laughs> But anyway, that sounds fun, mate. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd quite like to watch the Muppets as well. Actually, I've got a bit of a Muppets binge. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, well, I've got next week off, mate. Uh, so oh. I should uh, get podcast listeners prepared. I'm not going to be on the Raw or AEW reviews next week. It's going to be Chopper Pete filling in for my position, and then Adam Blompier is going to be doing the magazine show on the Friday. I will be around to do the extreme. Sorry the horror show at extreme <laughs> at the wrestle talk podcast uh on monday me and laurie are going to do that very very exciting so yeah so after recovering from extreme rules i'm going to my in-laws for some socially distance hanging out i'm going to stay at their house because we're allowed Ooh. to do that now uh then we're going to go to hastings to go see my sister-in-law and her boyfriend and then we're going to go to my parents up in Herefordshire. I haven't seen them since March for some more socially distanced hanging out. So it's all tremendously exciting. My parents' uh, house is a bit of a, a construction site at the moment as well because they're having a massive extension done. So there's going to be kind of less room for us to hang out. It doesn't seem like maybe, maybe now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe now's not the right time to be going. Are you going to be sleeping outside? Yeah, we're because we're, we're, they've got an RV, so we'll probably end up sleeping in that. Oh, you actually are sleeping outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. I mean, my brother and and his partner are going to be staying there as well. We think, and they they basically said they're just going to camp. They're just going to camp out in the garden because that's mm. what they like doing anyway. Because they're hippies, so they're just going to go camp there. Windows down. Can't catch it if the windows are down. Exactly. That's pretty much what it's, guys sci it's, it's science. Is. It's science. Uh, it's just absolutely science, mate. Um, I want to thank everyone who's got in touch with emails recently. And actually, there's been a bit of a thread that we have had uh, recently. So this first one comes in from Brandon, who says, my friend and I are starting a podcast soon, and I was running into a wall as far as research about specific storylines are concerned. Is there any specific website you use to gather information, or is going back and watching old shows the best way to do it? Thanks for the time and help you might have. That's from Brandon. Uh, we also had an email from Kai um, to say thank you very much for all the work that we've been doing. And Pratik said, I uh, hope you guys are staying safe. I plan on starting my own podcast, which deals with, uh, with being relatable to one another. I currently plan on making it available on YouTube and other multiple audio platforms. Since I've been listening, watching your channel content for a while, I thought I'd ask you for some input regarding podcast uh, podcasting. I'd really like to know what platforms you use to edit both the versions of the show and how you upload them to multiple audio platforms. Also, how do you guys storage recording for post-production work? Uh, thank you so much for the consistent content during these times. I hope you have some downtime down the line once I've created some semblance of a foundation. Jam that jam. Well, sounds like a lot of people are taking up podcasting during lockdown as a hobby. Uh, did you, I, I don't know if we talked about this before, but when we tried to buy a few more microphones uh, and webcams and stuff for you know the team working remotely and recording stuff, everything was sold out because it turned out all guys of our age suddenly decided, well, now I can start a podcast because I can't possibly talk to my friends in a normal way without there being some form of 
what's the word like just just something to do you can't yeah, just the there needs to be beer there or a board game or a video game we need to, to chat otherwise we need to find a tv show that we both liked from our childhood and just review it episode by episode um but on the on the trying to figure out uh research brandon i guess like because i i would speaking for you kind of luke we've already watched a lot of the stuff we're commenting on or going back to it's just the case of my mind does not retain information that it has no use for and wikipedia exists so i can just go back through and go oh, okay this happened there oh yeah and then this happened blah, 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 blah. and you just research it that way uh, i th i personally read faster than i can watch stuff so that's how i gather notes i don't know if you're different luke uh, yeah, I mean, it sort of depends on what the, the subject is. If it is something that you're looking back on, like the Resting Observer newsletters, a really good archive for finding that the search functionality is not particularly great, but if you kind of know the time period you're looking for, you can usually find the information that you want. Uh, I had to search to see if I could find stuff about Adam Blompier uh, in <laughs> WCPW for the, uh, the latest Patreon podcast that we did. And uh, amazingly, we were surprised to find Dave Melter did not do a write-up of Built to Destroy 2016. Oh. But what does he, he call do the Wrestle Talk magazine? He calls it something. He calls that. He calls the entire Wrestle Talk operation the Wrestle Talk magazine. Yeah, um, he did. I've got to get my notes for this. Actually, he did, however, do a write-up of his match with Rampage Brown. <gasps> Blompier uh, versus Rampage Brown. Yeah, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh man! It's so this is kind of. I guess like Meltz would have found that quite fascinating because he is into like oh the the sort of freak show attractions of here's a YouTuber versus a wrestler. Well, here is what Dave had to say. There was still unappealing silliness with Rampage Brown fighting what culture man Adam Blompier, which you could <laughs> only have enjoyed if you're a fan of the channel. Oh, is that it? That's about it, yeah. Oh, how did Adam take that, hearing it being he, read he, out? Uh, he was very, he, he was quite charmed about it. He'd, see, he'd heard it before, because obviously a match that he'd had got written up in, in the observer so of course they they read all about it but no we, star we actually, rating no star rating for that we actually the only place we could get real star ratings from was a website called back body drop who hated wcpw and hated all those guys so the reviews are really snarky did you read uh, this out to him did you just use yeah, all of this I'm... podcast as a way to <laughs> Just, yeah, just to make sure he knows where he actually belongs in this. <laughs> also, you should probably answer the chap who yes. needed some technical advice. Yeah, so I edit the podcast through Adobe Audition, which I can very, very much recommend. Or uh, you can also use Audacity, which is free. That's a really good uh, cheap podcasting method to record and edit with. Uh, we load all of ours through ACARS. You'll see their little uh, details down at the bottom of the podcast description. Um, which you can, I think you can still sign up for, but Spotify have got a free one as well that um, I think is also quite heavily recommended. So there's plenty of places to store them. And once you've found one that will store it, like, like you know, Acast and the one that Spotify have got, the name of it escapes me now, they will load it to all of the podcast platforms that you need. So they will be the ones who will submit it to the, the various different places. And if it doesn't, then you just need to submit the RSS feed yourself. Um, but it's, it's not too much work to do, really. Uh, but to create a podcast is dead easy. And then it's just a case of keeping at it and just enjoying. And we edit videos through Premiere Pro. Consistency is the, the biggest thing. 
And also just do a few episodes to iron out kinks before you release any. There's nothing oh, yeah. more off-putting than because you know the, the first episode is what most people are going to start with or go back to get into it. So you want that to be as best as it possibly can be. So under consultation, my other podcast that I do, I have a look at the stats. Episode one has got like 300 more plays than episode two. Uh, and, and I always like to be like, oh, that's, mm. that means there were there was quite a number of people that listened to that one episode. and was like, nah, nah, I'm done, actually. That's I'm, standard. I'm, I'm look not at, moving on. <laughs> look at any TV show ever. The ratings yeah. always dip down after the first one. So. But if you want to hear us talk about WCPW with Adam Blompier, that will be released tomorrow morning. Uh, oh, hello! Sorry, that, that was my bread timer. <laughs> I've got to put. I've got to put bread in the oven. You do. You do. You, you wrap you, you up. Do, you wrap you up. Do, I'll go and do I'll that. Wrap it up. Yeah. Bye, Ollie. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, go over to patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk. The episode of WCBW Built to Destroy 2016, reviewed by myself and Adam Blompier, where he gets all the backstage news on that show, is going to be released tomorrow morning at about 7 a.m. Go and check that out. Uh, and we will be back. Uh, the NXT show will be up today. Uh, Smackdown review on Friday. The magazine show tomorrow with Adam Pearson. And Extreme Rules on Monday. Have a good weekend, everyone. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.